Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, today we enter in a new series called The Twelve Disciples. Twelve, just twelve, just twelve. That's what it's going to be called, The Twelve Disciples. It's a story of twelve men who were called by Jesus. They were common men who were called to live exceptional lives. They were not considered the best of the best. They were not the cream of the crop. They weren't, they weren't these, 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 you know, the magnificent 12 that, you know, came in bearing wisdom and knowledge. And, no, no, no. They were common, ordinary people. They were fishermen, tax collectors, possibly farmers. And there was probably one revolutionist in the bunch of this group, all be ma- being led by a man who is known as a car- carpenter, all ordinary people, except we know that the carpenter wasn't ordinary. We know that the carpenter was literally Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. So who are these 12 disciples of Jesus? And I want to begin by clarifying the difference because we're going to walk into this series. We're going next week, we're going to start actually talking about individual disciples. This week I want to lay some groundwork here. What are are the 12 disciples? How do we we go about understanding who they are? And in the Scripture, in the New Testament, we see that there's times that they're referred to as the apostles and there's times they're referred to as the disciples. And sometimes that's confusing. What's the difference between disciples and apostles? And I'm glad that you asked today. If you look at the Greek word methetes, It's really a learner. That's the word for disciple. It's really a learner, a disciple, a student, someone who is learning, who is following a teaching. Back in those days, there was rabbis that would a lot of times teach theology, and there was young students that would follow them. They would learn from them. They would actually live their life according to this rabbi. And so the disciples of Jesus were similar. They were following Jesus. They were learning from Jesus. They were literally modeling their life after Jesus. You and I here today, if you are a follower of Christ, guess what? You are a disciple of Christ. You are one of Christ's disciples. So then how about this word apostle? And in the Greek it's apostolos. It refers to a messenger, a delegate, one who was commissioned by another to represent them. Jesus, really, they're not, the disciples are not really referred to as apostles until the time when, God, when God, Jesus commissions them to go out and set the world on fire. He, he gives them the power of the Holy Spirit. He commissions them and says, hey, you are going to be my representatives. You're going, and we're going to talk about more in depth about what it meant for them to be an apostle. Because, see, you've got to remember, these 12 actually experienced Jesus. Walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They, they experienced the resurrection. They were there for his resurrection. They saw Jesus after his resurrection. These were the apostles. Let's look at the 12 disciples, the names of the disciples, as listed in Mark chapter 10. They're actually listed in every one of the Gospels. But I just kind of laying some background again as we get into this series today. Mark chapter 10, verses 2 through 4 says, These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, 
James, and so this is another James. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and then another Simon, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. Now, Thaddeus is also known in Scripture, if you read throughout the other Gospels, sometimes he's known as Jude. And then a Bartholomew is at times also known as Nathaniel, and then Matthew is also known as Levi. But when you read through the Gospels, I want to make sure that you understand there's just 12 disciples here, but sometimes they're referred by different names because they had different... It's kind of like my wife. You know her as what? What's my wife's name? Annette. You know her as Annette. But if you go to her workplace, if you went to when she was working at Bank America, you would have known her by Marlene. So this is a little trivia information right here for you guys, okay? So her middle name is Annette. Her first name is Marlene. So some people know her by Marlene. Some people know her by Annette. And here's what the situation with these disciples. They had more than one name that they were referred to. On another note, Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus. We know that. He, he, and after he betrayed Jesus, we know that he killed himself. And so then after that scenario, the disciples actually appointed another disciple to fill his place. His name was Matthias. And so but that's another one we bring into the scripture is Matthias. And then even the Apostle Paul is someone that we need to talk about because the Apostle Paul was really the apostle to the Gentiles. And so we'll, we'll keep on driving or walking into this and, and discovering who these men were. And how their lives were changed by the presence of Jesus. So let's talk about these common men called by Jesus. Why they spent three and a half years with the, why Jesus spent three and a half years with these 12 men. What was the purpose? And I think to understand the calling of the disciples, we must first understand the message of Jesus. That's where we're going to kind of lay some groundwork here. If we don't understand the message that Jesus was giving these disciples to go out and to share to the world, we will never understand who these disciples are, really are. So it's a message filled with hope and controversy. As we read through the Gospels, we know that Jesus became very popular among the people. Why? Because Jesus brought a message of hope. He brought a message when he would go into the multitudes of the people. He brought healing. He was healing the blind. He was making the deaf hear. He was raising the dead. The lepers were actually being completely pure, cleaned. The demonic We're being set free from these demonic oppressions. He was delivering people. If all of a sudden Jesus came walking through and everybody was being healed, guess what? That person would have a crowd following him. This is why Jesus had. He was speaking in a different manner as well. He was speaking from a perspective of hope and not condemnation. They had been judged. The people had been judged for so long. And all of a sudden here comes this man named Jesus who's healing the sick. And he's bringing hope and he's gathering a group of people. Jesus didn't enter the scene with amazing credentials. He wasn't a commander of an army. He didn't hold a political office. He wasn't a Pharisee who had been trained under some renowned rabbi. Yet the multitudes were following Jesus because of the actions that he was doing. But even though Jesus was being accepted by the people, he was viewed as a threat by both the Roman authorities and the religious authorities. Rome considered anyone a threat who was able to gather thousands of people. See, Rome had a very tight knit on their government and on the, on the Rome had taken over pretty much that entire area, that entire world. And they were very concerned about these different factions that would raise up. And then all of a sudden these different factions would start to oppose Rome. And before they could do it, they would just squash them. So Rome had concerns about this man named Jesus because he was gathering the, the, 
the multitudes, but then also the ones that, and they had the real concern is the religious leaders of the day. The religious authorities, they had concern about who Jesus was because Jesus was challenging their hypocritical ways. At one time, if you remember, Jesus entered the courtyard of the temple. And what did it say in the temple? He said he started turning over the tables. He started flipping the tables over because he was angry that they had made the house of prayer a place of a den of thieves. He said, why? This is supposed to be a house of prayer. And here you're out there selling all these goods, you're selling these sacrifices for way more money than you should ever even consider doing it. And they're making a profit, a profit off of the, the place where they should be spending prayer and, and time worshiping God and time studying his word. And they had turned it all around. Jesus continually performed miracles on the Sabbath. This completely frustrated the religious leaders of the day. Because he was continually doing things that they were not, he was not supposed to do. Finally, the last straw that made the religious authorities of the day so upset was that his claims and actions that he made. Because, see, Jesus made himself equal with God. He put himself equal with God. This bothered them. It would probably bother us today. Before Jesus healed the paralyzed man, if you remember the story, there was four friends that brought their paralyzed friend and they dug a hole in the roof and they lowered this man down to where Jesus was teaching because they wanted their, his friend to be healed, he's paralyzed. And when Jesus met the man, he didn't heal the man at the very first point, point. What was the very first thing that Jesus did? He said, your sins are forgiven. And now immediately, the Pharisees of that day, they said, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. only God can forgive sins. Were they wrong? No. They're right. The only problem was they were not willing to make Jesus equal with God. He was a son of God. So they were upset about that. Another time in the temple, Jesus made the claim before Abraham was, I am. That statement right there, the I am statement, it was a sign of God. He was de declaring his deity. On multiple occasions after Jesus healed someone, he would accept their worship. Again, a big deal because what we are only to worship the Lord thy God and him only. And here all of a sudden, Jesus is accepting worship. Arguably one of the most controversial statements Jesus ever made was to his disciples the night before his crucifixion when he said these words. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now you've got to understand, there's hope that Jesus is delivering, but man, there is a surrounding of controversy around Jesus. And now all of a sudden, these 12 disciples are connecting themselves to this man with so much hope, but with so much controversy. Have you ever been in that position? That's where he's at. Sometimes you might feel like that you're in that position in your workplace today or at your school today or wherever you might be. You might feel like you're the odd person out. Well, guess what? The disciples had to feel the very same way, but they had their hope in Jesus and they were going to continue to move forward. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It was a controversial statement, but the disciples embraced Jesus as truth. But to those, that, the Pharisees, to the religious people of the day, guess what? It was, it was wrecking their whole religious system that they had built for so many years. They didn't understand it. To the unbelievers, these words were limiting and narrow. They gave no room for other options. It left no room for discussion. The only way to heaven was through Jesus. Remember when Nicodemus came to see Jesus? And Jesus shared those powerful words to Nicodemus. He says, unless you are born again, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
And Jesus then explains to Nicodemus, and it's one of the most powerful verses that we have in Scripture. It's a verse that many of us know and is found in the Gospel of John chapter 3. And many times we see it at football games. We see it at all different places. John 3, 16, it's in the story of Nicodemus and Jesus where all of a sudden Jesus explains to Nicodemus, he says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. He's talking about himself, Jesus. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through me, Jesus. That's what he's telling to Nicodemus. The only way to God is through Jesus. That statement remains so controversial in our culture today. It was controversy way back in Jesus' day. And guess what? In, through 2,000 years, it still remains controversial. And yet, the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to spread all over the world. See, many people want to enter into heaven on their own terms, on their own set of rules. We all, we all, we all in certain ways try to do that ourselves. And we got to get back to the word of God and understand the only way to enter into heaven is through Jesus. Can you imagine going to Fort Knox? I don't know, some of you might not know what Fort Knox is. Most people do. You know, it's found in Kentucky. It basically holds the gold reserves. And I, I, I read online, I think it was 5,000 tons of gold. It's like 10 million pounds or something like that. And they hold the gold. And the, the door into the vault of, the, of Fort Knox is 22,000 or 22 tons. The door is 22 tons, 44,000 pounds. Can you imagine going up to that door, which they probably never hear you knock? But can you imagine going up to the door? Let me in. I want to come in. It doesn't matter what kind of credentials you have. It doesn't matter how good you might be. It doesn't matter how handsome or beautiful you are. Guess what? You're not going to get in. You're not going to get in unless you have clearance. If you don't have clearance, you're never going to enter into that door. Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture, I am the way to into heaven. No one enters without my clearance. That was controversial. No one's going to enter into heaven except through me. It's a message sharing God's plan of salvation. That's what the disciples were given was a message that was sharing the plan of salvation. Yet many people chose to reject Jesus' invitation because it seemed like foolishness to them. The crowds that welcomed Jesus as he entered in Jerusalem on that Passover day were the same crowds who chanted less than a week later, crucify him. The idea that Jesus couldn't defend himself, and this is the thought that you've got to grab a hold of. The idea that they were waiting for this Messiah and they were thinking it was going to be an earthly king, this Messiah that was going to come through. And they were going to deliver them from the Roman Empire. They were going to deliver them from that Roman oppression. And the thought for them... That this Jesus, that this Messiah would come into this earth, this world, and he couldn't protect himself from being crucified, didn't make sense to them. Think about it. Wouldn't it make sense? He couldn't defend himself from being crucified? If he was truly the Messiah, he could. But it was in this appearance of foolishness. For so many, the cross looks like foolishness. The idea that the Messiah could be crucified that became the sacrifice that was needed for the redemption of all people. See, what we see as foolishness, God was making a plan of salvation where all of a sudden he would redeem us from our sins because the Son of God was willing to sacrifice his own perfect life for the sins of all mankind. 
It was, one, it was the greatest plan ever presented. And yet for so many, it might be seen as foolishness. But God's plan of salvation must also include the resurrection of Jesus. Because without the power of his resurrection, Jesus' sacrifice would be futile. And there would be no forgiveness of sins. The people who thought it was foolishness that the Messiah would die would be right. If Jesus was never resurrected, all those who were making fun of Jesus, if Jesus would have been crucified and would have remained in the tomb and would have remained dead, he would have been no different than any other sacrifice that had been made through all those years. The difference in Jesus' sacrifice was first, he was the son of God. Second, the grave could not hold him. He was resurrected by the very power of God, which was proof that this is the Savior of the world. Jesus didn't remain in the grave. He, wasn't, he didn't remain nailed to the cross. Jesus is sitting alive at the right hand of God the Father interceding for us. That's what the scripture tells us. Paul states these words in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 17. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. See, the resurrection is powerful. The resurrection is important. It's why the disciples had to be there and experience everything that Jesus was going through. So that when they lived those three and a half years, when they saw him crucified on the cross, even though they abandoned Jesus during that time, they experienced him after his resurrection. They were eyewitnesses of who Jesus is. The resurrection of Jesus is essential to God's plan of salvation. Not only did Jesus appear to the 12 disciples, but he appeared to over, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that he appeared to over 500 people at one time. He appeared to Mary Magdalene and Martha. He, he appeared to so many people after his crucifixion, after his resurrection. And this is a key purpose of Jesus' disciples, to share that message that Jesus is not only the Son of God, he is the Savior of the world, and he is not dead, but very much alive. It was a message that must be delivered. The disciples were eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection, and they were commissioned by Jesus to deliver the truth. It wasn't Amazon, it wasn't UPS, it, wasn't, it was the disciples. They were commissioned, I want you to go and spread this good news to everywhere. They believed so much in their mission that they were willing to risk their lives to share this truth. In fact, history states that all the disciples except one were actually martyred for their faith, meaning that, guess what? Because of their actions, because of their, them sharing the gospel truth, we, they were murdered, they were killed for that gospel, gospel message. It makes Jesus' words come alive in Matthew 28, 19, where it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, when you get that commission by Jesus himself and you realize that, hey, the message is controversial, the message is difficult, but the message is the thing that will save this world. And they go forth and they go and preach the gospel. Notice that the the mission was not given to the religious institutions. It wasn't given to the tabernacles. It wasn't given to the church, what was considered the church at that point. The rabbis, the priests, the Pharisees. Instead, Jesus chose 12 ordinary men from the working class of Galilee, considered educated by most people. And these 12 men sacrificed everything to follow Jesus. And it's a reminder for all of us as followers of Jesus that we are the light of the world. If you are a disciple of Christ, you are the light of the world. We are called to deliver the message of Jesus to the world in need. We're called to bring light 
of Jesus into the darkness. Called to share the truth of God's love, the truth of Jesus' sacrifice, the truth of his resurrection. People need to hear that message. They need to hear the message of hope. You can be a miracle to someone who is in need. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus can use your hands to provide. Could be a supernatural miracle as you pray and people receive healing. It could be a miracle where all of a sudden, guess what? You sacrifice for someone who was in need. Guess what? You're the hands of Jesus. See, to some it appears foolish, this whole idea of following Christ, this whole idea of salvation. We live in a culture where many look down upon Christians. They look down upon the church. But guess what? It's no different from Jesus' day. It's the same scenario. This group called the way, this group that was eventually known as Christians, they were despised by many of the people of the day. I want you to listen to the Apostle Paul's words. And they're powerful words. I want you to listen to these words found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read verse 18 and then verses 26 through 29. It says these words. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it as the very power of God. Skipping down to verse 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. He's talking to Christians. Few of you were, were wealthy. Few of you were powerful in, God, in God's eyes. Wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. See, Jesus didn't choose the most talented. He didn't choose the most educated. He didn't choose the most handsome or the most beautiful. Jesus chose 12 ordinary common people, most of them from the area of Galilee. That Galilee was kind of looked down upon as a lower class area. And he used those, and Jesus himself came from Galilee as a carpenter. And he used those people, and he said, these are the ones I'm going to use to change the world. Why? Because guess what? No religious organization, no, no government organization, no one else is going to get credit for what God is doing except God himself. He takes the ordinary to do the extraordinary. The kingdom of God is not advanced through our strength. Zechariah 4, 6, when they were building the temple in the Old Testament, says, not by might nor by power, but my, by my spirit, saith the Lord Almighty. The choices Jesus made in choosing his apostles should remind us that God doesn't look at earthly value. God is willing to use anybody who is willing. Are you willing today? Are you willing? Even those, even if you think that you might feel worthless or seem unimportant to this world, guess what? You're in the perfect place for God to use. The apostles were a group of ordinary men used by God. Jesus even took one who was hated the most by the people. He was absolutely despised by most people. His name was Matthew. He was the publican. He was the tax collector. Jesus took Matthew and used him to be a disciple. In fact, Jesus commissioned Matthew to write the gospel of Matthew as we start off the New Testament. Come on. You might have heard this saying, 
before, but this statement is so true. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. That thought comes out of Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John had just healed the man. We just recently talked about that story. Where Peter and John were walking to the temple gate called Beautiful. And as they were entering the temple gate, there was a crippled man there begging. And Peter and John had no money. But when he came up, they had no silver and gold. When, they came, when Peter and John walked up to this crippled man, they looked at him. And Peter made this statement. He said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he was healed. And people were praising God. And the, the, inside the tabernacle, they were going nuts. And Peter started preaching and sharing the good news of Jesus. He started sharing about the resurrection of Christ until, the, until all of a sudden the religious authorities came and said, hey, 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 what's going on here? What are you guys talking about? Hey, what just happened? What's going on here? They were questioned by the religious Rulers, and they were asked, by what power and whose name have you done this? And what, what they were asking was, who healed this man? <laughs> Peter declared, the man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus. And then Peter goes on, and he declares words that, man, he sounded more like Jesus every day, Peter is. He said, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other way into heaven except through Jesus Christ. There is salvation in no one else. Guess what? The religious authorities of the day did not like that statement. And then listen to the surprise of the religious leaders because Peter and John were sharing and they were so bold and confident about their faith as they were sharing. Listen to this verse in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary, say ordinary. ordinary. They were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. You want your life changed? Spend some time with Jesus. You might say to yourself, and some of you need to grab a hold of this word today. Because some of you are sitting here thinking that I just, Pastor Tom, you don't know my, my life. You don't know my history. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. Talk to Mary Magdalene. I don't know, Pastor, Pastor Tom, Jesus could never use me. Talk to the 12 disciples. Uneducated, they had no seminary, they had no training. All they had done was spent time with Jesus. I can't lead a life group, Pastor Tom. I don't have the experience to be able to open up my home and all of a sudden try to start teaching from the... Man, we make it so easy here at South Coast Christian. You can lead a life group. You can lead your neighbors to Jesus Christ. Pastor Tom, you're telling me, you're asking me, that's so scary. Are you kidding me? You want me to, my neighbors will find out that I'm a Christian? Are you serious? You see, sometimes we're afraid, but sometimes we're afraid because we just feel like we're ordinary. Instead of understanding that when the Spirit of God comes in our life, we are no longer ordinary, but we're extraordinary through the power of the Spirit. Jesus can change our lives. What qualified the disciples? It wasn't their education. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. What qualified the disciples was the time they spent with Jesus. It was the power of God's spirit within them. You should never discount what the power of God can do in and through your life if you're willing to spend time with Jesus. How do I spend time with Jesus? Read God's word. Read the gospels. Take time to pray. This morning I was preparing this message I didn't prepare it this morning. 
But as I was praying and I was walking through this, boy, I'm really good if I could prepare the message in that time. And I'm not good. <laughs> God is good. But I sat there in my car. I, sometimes I just drive. I like to drive and think. And I just started to pray. I said, God, thank you for this church. Use me in greater ways than I think I can even understand how I could be used. See, we need to have that faith in our lives, each and every one of us. God, use me. I don't understand it because I'm just an ordinary person. But God, according to your word, you can use me in greater ways than I ever could imagine. Don't discount what God can do in and through your life. When we allow Jesus to have his way, guess what? In our life, all of a sudden then we share in the life of Christ. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, I'm coming to close, just hang on. I pray, and he's telling this to the church in Ephesus. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with the strength through the, his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. How many of you need, need to make Christ, allow Christ to make his home in your heart? Remember, God wants to use your life for his glory. He's not looking for people of, of greatness. He's looking for people like our speaker last week, Pastor Deshaun, shared, who are willing to make Jesus Lord of their life. That's what he's looking for. God revels in taking the unexpected and using it for his glory. And why, do, I was thinking about that, why does God just enjoy so much taking a shepherd boy named David when all the other ones were fearful and he took this shepherd boy named David and all of a sudden with a slingshot, no armor, no spear, no not just a slingshot, a couple stones. He used this man to take down the mighty Goliath. Why does he love to do that? I believe, first of all, it glorifies God. Second of all, it gives us all hope. If God can use him, God can use me. If God can use her, God could use me. See, he loves to take the ordinary. He took the 12 disciples that no one thought could ever be used. They would have thought they would come out of these institutions, these religious institutions, these seminaries. No, no, these were fishermen that Jesus took. See, Jesus can do things that no man could ever do. He can work in our hearts and our lives and change us and bring us to strength that is it's in his strength. It's, to, it's time to let God's light shine in you. Over the next several weeks, we're going to see how the power of Christ can change your life because we're going to see how it changed the disciples' lives. How ordinary people, men, were used to display God's extraordinary power. It can happen to you. Raise your hand if you believe that. Okay. For those that don't, thank you for not raising your hand if you don't believe it. It's good to be honest. But I'm hoping I can convince you over the next several weeks that God can do the miraculous. I've been reading a book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. It's an old book, but it's a good book. And he makes a statement in there I read the other day, and I thought, this is so, so good. And I read it to you today. He says, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. Got that picture? If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the one that has it. You see, if you want more of Jesus, just spend more time with Christ. Start hanging out with him because he will change your life.
Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is powerful, it is impactful, it is effective, and it is life-changing. I pray for every person that's here today as we have spent time worshiping you, Lord God, through, our, through songs and through praise and through worshiping you through the, your word, Lord God, today. I pray for those, Lord God, that maybe are being called, who are being filled, they feel in their spirit, in their life. Lord, I don't have the ability, I don't have the capability to do, a, do something that I, I'm just not that I pray, God, today that they will understand that you love to take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. It's just dependent upon us being willing to surrender to you. I pray for those today, today, Lord God, that might need to surrender to you, that they're willing to to say, today I choose to follow you. I say no to the things I've been doing that are not honoring, and I say yes, Lord, to you. And as they do that, God, I know that you will change their lives. I pray for others, Lord God, who maybe just need to take a greater step in faith. I pray, Lord, they will do so with boldness. Step out in faith and be the man and the woman that you created them to be. Not in their own strength, but in your strength. I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, God good? All the time, he is good. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.